Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. This morning, um, me and Pastor Casey, we were talking this week, and um, we were talking about just the importance of continuing the conversation that we've been having at Hope Unlimited Church around the idea of becoming an anti-racist church. Not a church that's just not racist, but an anti-racist church that opposes racism in all forms to all people groups and stands for righteousness and justice for all people. And so, I know Pastor Casey has... He said this and made this very clear in the past messages, but I just want to echo what he has already said, saying in no way would I ever dare to try to get up here and be a voice for our black brothers and sisters. I am not trying to be a voice voice for you. I'm trying to echo what you have been saying for hundreds and hundreds of years because I am committed to to being an anti-racist human being because I want to see all people treated fairly at all costs. And I am totally committed to that. I love, I mean, what a series it's been for our church. You know, this is something, I haven't been doing stuff like this for long, but I have, one thing that I do know is when you start asking people for commitment, you'll see who's in and who's out. And this call is not just for us to talk about it and then this just be another series at Hope Unlimited Church. This is a commitment that we'll take with us everywhere in our lives. And I have loved hearing the feedback that has been coming from our church about taking a stand and being committed to being an anti-racist church. It's been phenomenal to hear. It's been refreshing. It's built faith in me that we can make a difference and there can be change and there can be justice. And this morning, I want you to hear my heart as I preach this message. I'm not coming against the white community. I'm calling you to action. I'm not coming against any people. I'm coming against a system and a structure that elevates one and suppresses the other. And that is, that is what I'm doing this morning. That's what this whole series is about. And so I want to say thank you just as a fellow church member, as someone who serves on the leadership team at this church for your receptivity to hear words like this. You know, Pastor Casey said this, what you don't confront, you can't ever change. And it is important that we can receive confrontational messages so that we can truly make a difference. Because if we can't do that, then we can never grow. We can never be stretched. God can never do a work in us that would really change us. And so, as someone that is proud to serve this church in whatever capacity that it needs, thank you for being receptive. But we've still got work to do. We've still got work to do. We've still got to grow some more. We still have to have God to check us some more. And um, I'm just excited this morning that I get to continue this. It's an honor. It's, it's humbling to get to talk about this right now. I have several, several, several friends that I've been on the phone with all week long talking about this topic. It's very important that we take a, take a stand for it. We, we, we take some action steps, right? We don't just say, we hear you right? We take some action steps towards making a difference. And uh, that, this morning, leads me right into my text. And uh, it's from Amos chapter 5. 
Amos chapter 5. If you have your Bible with you, Amos chapter 5 says, But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Read it one more time. Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Jansen, thank you. Everybody give it up for Jansen, a.k.a. Pastor Jay in the house this morning. If you want to know where that came from, come and ask me after service. But this morning, before I, I dive into this text, I really need to paint the picture. I really need to give you some context to why this was even said. Why Amos said this. I need to give you some context. So, track with me for a minute, a minute because I've been geeking out over this all week. It's been super fun to study. So, Amos was from a little bitty place in the world between southern Judah and northern Israel. And so, he was a fig tree farmer, which is, you could go into all types of meaning behind that, but in this particular passage, the, the northern, northern Israel had declared its independence from Judah. We want to be independent. And during that time, there was a king by the name of Jeroboam II, right? Good name. Now, this king, obviously, practically, it looked like that he was doing a lot of the right things. It looked like that he was winning wars. He was a former military, a great military figure in that time. He was winning wars. He was raising money. He was doing what seemed like all the right things. Um, but he was absolutely, absolutely someone that all the prophets in the Old Testament had an issue with. And it's like, why did they have an issue with this man? Why did they have a problem with Jeroboam II? Why did Amos go to him and say, let justice roll on like a river? Why was he, why was he doing that? Well, because northern Israel, this is God's people, right? And they are going to the temple, going to church, Faithful church members, right? Showing up every week. Faithful in their giving. Faithful in their tithing. Faithful in being sure that all of the, the needs of the temple are, are being taken care of. But this group of people, they were doing all of this and they were then turning their eye to the injustice that was going on all around them. And so that's when God speaks to Amos and says, I want you to go to Bethel, which was one of the major temples at the time is where one of them was. And he says, I want you to start saying things that I have a problem with. And so Amos chapter 5 is just a collection of God speaking to these people and saying, you, you're faithful in church, right? You're doing all the right things, but you're ignoring injustice happening all around you. And I think that is honestly a representation of some of where the church still is. You know, I think, it, I think it's ironic that we have a lot of prophetic voices right now that have all these prophetic words about coronavirus and nobody has ever had a prophetic word about racism. They have tons of prophetic words about COVID-19. Can I just be honest with you? The people who are dying in the streets don't care. They need to know the word of the Lord that he's coming like, like a mighty rushing river with justice and righteousness to, be, to bring a change. Right? Nobody cares. 
I know that I, I was debating on saying that, but man, I was just feeling that all week. Nobody, literally, nobody cares about the prophetic words when there's people dying in the streets. Nobody cares. It, it's weird to me that you have people more interested in, in that than more interested in, than more obsessed with making a change for injustice. I want us to be a church who takes a stand against this mess. Man. Where are the prophetic voices speaking out against racism? I've looked for them. There's a couple, right? There's a couple, but the, but the ones who are obsessed over being a prophetic voice for our nation are not saying anything about it. And so, the whole Old Testament is God sending prophets and prophetic voices to rail against injustice and systems of injustice. And so during this time, there was a system that was created that allowed for injustice. And then Amos rolls up and he says, let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I'm going to break these two words down for you. I don't normally go this route, but I felt like that it was important to break these two words down. If you're taking notes, they're going to have slides on the screen. Because when, when you hear the word justice and when you hear the word righteousness, our minds automatically go to, well, the first thing that we think about that. God's judgment, probably, with justice and righteousness, right living. It's actually not even the words that Amos was communicating here. It was actually a different word picture and a different definition of injustice so, or, or of justice. So if you could throw that up on the screen really quick. The Hebrew word for the word justice is mishpat. Right? I practiced that a hundred times so I did not say that word wrong. It's mishpat. And it's actions... Or action steps, concrete action steps, to correct injustice. Concrete, that means firm action steps to correct injustice. Throw the word for, throw the word for righteousness. This word is pronounced sedekah, the Hebrew word for righteousness. And it means right relationships... An equality despite social differences. So what was Amos really saying? He was saying, you haven't taken any concrete action steps towards injustice, and you say that you serve God. But not really, because what you are saying isn't transforming anything around you. And if we want to be an anti-racist church, we have to take concrete action steps towards correcting injustice. We have to let righteousness, equality of all relationships, no matter social differences, flood our hearts and affect the world around us. And until that happens, nothing's going to change. The rebuke was, you serve God, or you say that you serve God, but you're not changing anything. I want us to be a church that says we serve God with everything in us, and it actually carries some weight to it because things change. Like systemic racism, right? Not just... Not just well, when we, we preach this all the time. Well, well, this person came in and, and was healed from this, 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 and that's valuable. But what about the person who continually comes in the doors of our churches, who feels less than because of the color of their skin? What about those people? Because what God said to Amos was go tell these people they're not really doing what they think they're doing. They're not really representing me the way that I would like to be represented. 
And so until we take concrete action steps, until we let righteousness flood our hearts, everything will remain the same. And so this morning, that leads me into a few points that I hope will help us move closer to becoming an anti-racist church. Not just not racist. Anti-racist. I've been talking to I've been talking to some of my friends this week and you would not believe their response. Specifically Pastor Casey making this taking this stand in our church taking this stand. All they have to say is thank you. And so again I am calling the white church community and when I say that, I don't mean that derogatory. I am calling the white church community up to a level where we can take concrete action steps for our brothers and sisters and let righteousness flood our hearts so that they can have fair treatment in this country. Pastor Casey said this last week, and I, I, I literally talked to two of my friends this week. I said... Tell me what you think about this. You don't want special treatment. You want fair treatment. And he's like, that's what we've been saying for hundreds of years. That's what we've been saying. That's, that's why our reaction is so aggressive when we don't get fair treatment because nothing gets done. And so, and I'm not justifying anybody beating anybody in the street. I'm not justifying that. Not saying that. I was just wondering the question, why are you doing this? Because nothing gets done when we peacefully protest. Nothing happens. There was a protest. Three months later, nobody hears a word about it. And so this morning I have some points that I think that will help us move into becoming an anti-racist church. Number one, if you're taking notes, we have to learn to hurt with people who are hurting When people say they're hurting, we need to listen. And when I, when we can no longer say, when someone comes to us and says, I am hurting, everything in me is hurting. There's something that is in me that is hurting. We cannot say, well, but that defeats the purpose of them ever coming to talk to you. Right? You don't, when, 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 when October rolls around, you don't say, well, there's leukemia too for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You don't say that. Why do people, why do people say the same? Why do people have these comments deep in their heart about racism? It's because a system has forced them to believe things that are wrong. And we have to rail against those things with everything within us. And so we have to learn to hurt with people who are hurting. It's never the time when someone says, I am hurting, to throw up another injustice happening in their face. It is okay to be specific about injustice. The major one from the white community in church today is when someone says black lives matter, they, they repeat, well, all lives matter. All lives cannot matter until black lives matter. Until our system starts putting out some things that say all lives matter because the statistics, Pastor Casey's already listed them off to you, they don't communicate that. They communicate white superiority. And we have to be sure that we do not try to justify some other injustice when someone says, I am hurting. You have to hurt with those people. How can you do that? Listen. Listen. When I mean listen, I mean let their words permeate your soul. I want you to feel what they're saying 
I don't want you to just hear it. Right? I was talking to my friend this week, and I wasn't just listening to him say words. I was feeling what he was feeling. I was trying my best to put myself in his situation. And I was trying to feel the pain. And I felt like that I got a little bit of a glimpse of it. And I was like, you know what? You're right. When you begin to feel other people's pain, you can begin to hear them like you're supposed to hear them. When people, when people don't want to listen and they just want to listen so that they can respond, that does nobody any good. Nobody any good in any situation. If you are listening to give your response, you're not listening at all. And so we have to listen. You know, another thing that we have to do to hurt with those who are hurting is we have to have hard conversations with people who are systematically oppressed. It doesn't do you much good at all. White community. It doesn't do you much good at all to talk with another white person about what African American people and our black brothers and sisters are feeling. You don't know what they're feeling. That's why, that's why when I'm saying that you have to feel what they're saying, you have to do your best to do that. Because you can never fully feel what they're feeling. Because you are not them. Right? So you have to have those hard, honest conversations. You, you can't just let iron be close to iron. Nothing ever happens that way. When, when, when the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, that's not like a, that's not like an easy process, right? That takes some self-awareness and evaluation of things that maybe you think that you were right about that you're blatantly wrong about. And the fact that it's taken hundreds and hundreds of years for people to start saying something is blatantly racist. Because our black brothers and sisters have been saying for years, this is wrong. They've tried to be one side of the iron and, and the white community has completely ignored what they're saying. And we have to be a community that wants to hear our black brothers and sisters and let it work on us and do something in us. Nothing ever happens outwardly. Unless something first takes place inwardly. And it's important that you hear the words that are coming from our black brothers and sisters. And you let them move you to a place of prayer. To a place of seeking God and asking Him to search me. See if there's any wicked way within me. See if I embrace any systematic racism at all. And if I do, do something about it. Something that I have asked, and this could be a good practical thing for you to ask, if you have friends who are not like you. I got into a heated discussion this week with one of my friends about this topic. And I said, I said a very heated discussion. I said, you need to be honest with yourself. Come on, come on. And you need to ask yourself, is there anything that you do that the African American community finds offensive? And he's a Christian. And I said, if you do, and they say yes, and you don't change, that is wrong. It's the same concept of if someone says, well, I don't drink alcohol. Don't offer it to them. Don't be a stumbling block. It's the same concept with racism. And so I've had some conversations this week. I've done some deep soul searching this week. Is there any idea that I embrace that could potentially come off as racist? 
You have to be honest with yourself. Is there things, are there value judgments, as Pastor Casey says? Are there value judgments that I make on a regular basis based off of skin color? Ask yourself that question. So I mean confronting the thought when you go into a gas station and a minority owns the place. Can we just get real for a second? Confronting the thought that Pastor Casey said this the first week that he was preaching, that all African Americans can dance, can run, can jump. Do you embrace those ideas and make value judgments based on those ideas based off the color of someone's skin? If you do, you need to get real with yourself. I heard this one time, and this stuck with me. It's pierced my heart probably for as long as I've been a Christian. Until you get real with God, you cannot get right with God. That's what Amos was saying when he says you need to let justice and righteousness flow. He was saying you need to get real with yourself so that you can get real with God and we can make some change. Number two, this morning. These are very practical. I hope that these are helpful. Number two this morning, we have to start talking about systemic racism before it's so obvious that something needs to be said. Anybody can say something when someone gets brutally murdered in the street. Nobody really has much to say when you don't get a job because of the color of your skin. I, I had a, as I've, I've mentioned many times, I was having a conversation with one of my friends this week, and he was talking about protesting the KKK, who are blatant racist. And he says, I stood on my campus, and I looked face to face, eyeball to eyeball with the KKK. And he said this, I was not afraid of them there. Nobody is. I was not afraid of the man with the mask on. I was afraid because this man has to take the mask off and go work a nine to five. You see what I'm saying? Do you see that, that racism becomes systematic when you put racist people in the system? And so he was not scared. He was not intimidated. He was fine with looking face to face with someone who was blatantly racist and saying, this is wrong and I'm standing against this. He said what scared him to death was that this man took the mask off. And that he knew that if he inter interviewed for a job and a white guy interviewed for a job, He's not getting the job because of the color of his skin. He knew that this guy has to maybe go work at a bank and someone's loan for their home may not get pushed through because he's a, system, he's a racist. He, he, he knew that this person may be going to work at a restaurant and could treat people poorly when they go out to have dinner with their family because of the color of their skin. We have to be a group of people that say we are so much against that just as much as we are against blatant racism. We are against racism that is systemic just as aggressively as we are against racism Publicly. Because it's still racist. Even though it may not be as blatant, it's racist. It's wrong. It's an injustice. People are not being treated appropriately. Fairly. And we have to begin to talk about this stuff more often. The first time that I had a conversation about this, it lit up my world. Because I didn't understand. 
And I was like, you know what? I know exactly what you're talking about. Let me, let me make a reference that I've experienced this in my own life. I was talking to a friend this week. And I had two friends in high school. Both of them are African American. Both of them are dear friends of mine. I grew up in a white community. All white. Pastor Casey talked about the Klan being active. Where he's from, same. Right? I've grew up with every racist joke that you could possibly do that's sick. I had two friends, and one of them fully embraced the fact that he was an African American. Fully embraced it. Embraced their culture, which needs to be embraced. Just which has to be embraced. Because if black people start acting like white people, that is racism. If they have to act like white people to be successful, that is racist. So he fully embraced, he listened to rap music, he dressed differently, he talked differently. I had another friend who did not because he was adopted and threatened basically with his life that you're not going to act that way. Which is not that way. It's their culture. Right? It's not that way. He was threatened basically his whole life, acted like that he was a white person. This, this hit me the other day, and I just, began to, I just began to weep. My One of my best friends in the whole world never ever dated anyone in high school in the town that I was in. The other one who says, I do not want to be this, I want to be white, had a girlfriend all throughout high school. Because one was labeled as dangerous. And the other one was labeled as, well, he's just one of us, which is sick. That is systemic racism. You tracking? We need to be sure that we're not saying, you have to become more like us for us to embrace you. That's not unity. That's not justice. That's conformity, which does no good for anybody. We have to be people who stand for righteousness that say, we will embrace you no matter your social differences. We can't say, you've got to be more like us. Or there was a, a political figure in our country this week that tweeted out something, the thugs, what are you doing? That does no good. They're people. Right? They're people. Racist, absolutely horrifying, racist comments made all over social media this week. Horrific comments that make me cringe. That should, you should read them and something should be moved on the inside of you that says that is not right. And so, and, I, and I've heard all the arguments in the world, and they're all bad. They're bad. When you justify racism, no matter what, it's bad. It's wrong. It's not just, it's not righteousness. And I have to... I have to say, we're not against people. We're against a system that has suppressed minorities for as long as this nation has been a nation. We are against a system that doesn't let people have fair and equal opportunity because of the color of their skin. I genuinely pray that we would let equality, that we would let righteousness, as Amos said in this verse, 
rush like a river, like an unfailing stream. That's my prayer. The last thing that this may be, this could possibly be the hardest one to hear, and um, that's fine by me, (laughs) right? Because it needs to be said. Because I think you could, you solve, I would say, maybe 100% of your problems when you do this. We have to, surrounding this topic, take personal responsibility. Pastor Casey quoted this man last week, Abraham Heschel. Few are guilty, all are responsible. Let me say that again. Few are guilty, all are responsible. All of us are responsible. When injustice happens on our watch, we are responsible. That's called in in the in the world of in, in the justice system, that's called that's called participating in a crime. Right? You go to jail for stuff like that. Prison. But when, when, when real injustice happens, every single day in America, there has to be some people that take personal responsibility that say, I am going to make concrete steps, action steps towards injustice. And I am going to let righteousness flow like an unfailing stream in my heart towards everybody. And anything, anything that would be contrary to that has to go. Any mindset that's contrary to that has to go. Has to go. Because this is what, this, I said this earlier, whatever you embrace in private, Manifest itself publicly. Blatant racism is just a manifestation of systematic racism being embraced for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not, you can't really tell that it's there sometimes, but when it's fully embraced, it manifests itself in the form of situations like Ahmaud Arbery. And we have to take some personal responsibility to say, we're not going to let this thing live in the dark. We're going to shine the light on it. And we're going to deal with it. Right? There wouldn't be a story that you could pull up every week if that wasn't the case. In reality, the white community as a whole, please hear me when I say this, as a whole, as a whole, has embraced the ideas that promote systemic racism. And we have to take some personal responsibility and say, not on my watch anymore. Not anymore. Because we can't have things happening like like they have been happening over the past few weeks. We can't. It's not, it's, 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 it's not right. In the church, I believe, and Jansen, you can come on up wherever you are. I, I believe with everything in my heart that the church has the greatest calling in the world. I also believe that we have the greatest responsibility in the world. Because with great calling comes great responsibility. And when you have, when you have great responsibility, there are huge consequences on the line. 
When you have great response, when you take great responsibility, there can only be a significant consequence on the other end. And so, here's what will happen if we don't take personal responsibility. We won't accept the fact that God is calling us to be an anti-racist church. And then, by default, we won't take on personal responsibility. And then, we will see the consequences on the other side of not doing that. And if we don't do that, you know what the consequences are? Ahmaud Arbery. A man places in his knee on the back of another man's neck in the middle of the street while this man is saying, I can't breathe, please let me up. I posted something earlier this week. I can't breathe is the cry of our black brothers and sisters for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years because there's been a system that has been suffocating them. And we have to take personal responsibility and absolutely say no more. Great calling great responsibility, great consequences. And we can say that we're going to do this, we're going to let justice flood our hearts, we're going to embrace all people, we're going to let righteousness flow in our hearts, we're going to take concrete action steps, and we're going to fight against any racist idea, any racist mindset, anything that would oppress anybody due to the color of their skin or for any reason for that matter. We are anti. Not just we're not that. We are anti that. That means that you say something when you see it happening. In the day to day, right? I had to, I had to ask myself a ton of. I've asked myself so many questions about this. In probably the last, I would say three years, for the first time my eyes were really open to this being a huge, huge problem, because I was in an echo chamber that just embraced racist ideas and I knew nothing else but I embraced systemic racism I no longer do but I did thought it was normal it's the way it is right and it's not just the way it is that can't be an acceptable argument we have to begin to talk about this as much in church as much as we talk about abortion. We need to begin to talk about this in church as much as we talk about sin that we all deal with. We need to begin to talk about this topic as much as we talk about all the other preachy things to talk about sometimes your pastor can't get up here and preach to you what you want to hear to make you have another good church experience sometimes there has to be some sharpening sometimes there has to be he has to get up here and say some things that you don't really want to hear Sometimes he has to, he has to he push forth a, a cause that's going to rally the church around something that may not be that popular. And so, we can take responsibility and we can make a difference. 
We can take responsibility and we can make a difference. Fair treatment for all at all cost. At all cost. Well, and, and, and I've been to all the conferences where they say avoid this topic, right? Don't talk about this. They're all white. That's why. And the people and the people who are in their church who are who are of color act just like them. And that's the reason they're accepted. That's the reason they can lead worship. Fair treatment at all costs. Would you stand with me this morning? This morning, we don't have a big altar call for this um, due to the guidelines for um, COVID-19, right? We're not going to be all down here in the altar, but this morning, I just want to pray for our church. I want to pray for our nation, and I pray that, that this maybe will just prick your heart in some way and cause you to evaluate some things that you currently embrace. And so would you just lift your hands to Jesus all over the room. Father, I thank you this morning for a church that is taking concrete action steps towards injustice. I thank you this morning for a church that embraces righteousness and by definition means equal treatment for all people of all color, of all social differences, of every culture, of every background, of every situation, of every economic state. God, I thank you this morning that you are calling us up to a level that we've never been before as a church. But God, I think that I have some people that say, I like it here. I like it when you can come in and say, let justice roll like a river. Let righteousness flow like an unfailing stream. God, would you permeate our hearts with justice and righteousness? And let us not only transform, let you not only transform us, God, would, would you let the flood that rushes through our hearts of justice and righteousness transform the world around us? In the workplace, in the church, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. God, I thank you this morning for the call to becoming an anti-racist church. And God, I believe that I have some people in this room that are answering that call this morning. Lord, we love you, God, and we thank you for all you're doing within us this morning. And over the course of this series, and God, I just pray that we would make a difference in this world in whatever way that you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you leave this morning, I just want to take one moment. I want to take one moment to, um, if, you are, if you don't know Jesus this morning, I was thinking of a way, how does this message even apply to someone who doesn't know Jesus? How does this apply? The ending of the book of Amos talks about God overwhelming these people who have been doing injustice, who have been settling for unrighteousness with His love. 
And so no matter where you are at in your walk with God this morning, no matter if you've been serving God for 30 years or you just don't know Jesus, I want to let you know that God in, in, in the Bible and today is saying let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like an unfailing stream even to the lost person. Even to the person who doesn't know Jesus. And I think a lot of times what we get for, what we think about justice when it comes to God is, is we think that when we think about there's, He's just, right? And you just get what you deserve. That isn't godly justice. You get what Jesus paid for. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, justice to you and righteousness to you is that you get equal treatment in this place, no matter if you know Jesus or not. And justice is, you don't get what you deserve, you get what Jesus paid for. And so, if we got what we deserved, we'd all be going to hell. But thank God for Jesus. And that we get what He pays for. So, This morning, I want us just to pray a simple, quick prayer all over the room. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And you say, maybe you don't know Jesus this morning, or you have been away from God, and you you need to make some things right with God. Nobody looking around, no eye open, nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand real quickly, no matter where you are in the room? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. As a church this morning, Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your redemptive power. And Lord, I thank you from this day forward that I get to know you like my best friend in a real way in a personal way not a religious way but in a personal way and Lord I I promise to let you reveal yourself to me in a real way and I promise to serve you all the days of my life In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for Jesus one time this morning? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.